Everybody and welcome to episode 259 of 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am on mute. <laughs> I, am, I am Patrick. <laughs> and I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And these films, the prom night movies, backed up my decision to not attend any of my high school proms. Because I know from watching the movies, had I gone, something incredibly formulaic would have happened. <laughs> like pig's blood. I think you've been all right, because in the second one... I saw a curly-haired, geeky-looking guy in a top hat, and he got out all right. Yeah, but dude, if you watched the first one, I was a little yeah, uncomfortable slick. by how close yeah. I was to Slick. <laughs> <laughs> Only he was cooler than me. He had a van and weed. Yeah. And he got laid. <laughs> and he was a, yeah, I was girl for three on those. I just had the look without the car, the weed, or the sex. You look like a Jewish pirate? Yeah. He did when you met him. What you <laughs> Have you seen Josh? Uh, so if you haven't we'll picked up on it, yeah, if you haven't picked up on it yet, uh, we are doing prom night. Welcome to Octobu. Um, it is the first uh, week of October, and we are doing uh, then and now for horror films all month. And we started out with prom night, uh, two, 1980 versus prom night 2006, 2008. Eight. 2008. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Welcome to Octobu. And if you... Sorry. Every week. (laughs) It's Uh, a talent. If you like being interrupted by Patrick, (laughs) you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective. Such (laughs) as... as. (laughs) No Hope for Humanity. Dating Baggage. The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. Mint in Boxcast. And, of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Back it up, back it up. Uh, no Hope for Humanity is now listed as retired. Okay, so you're saying I'm going to have to mention it every week now? <laughs> it's been absorbed. It's been absorbed. Oh, my God. It's like, it's been so absorbed, even their Libsyn page is down. Their last episode was called Goodbye. Oh, shit. So, wow. No, on the Block is retired as well. I, we got to update this list. We gotta stop talking about them. We're killing them off. <laughs> <laughs> they all go the way of the left field sports lounge eventually. I'm like the Jessica Fletcher of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that, right? See, this is what I don't understand. Okay, so no, so you don't want to get mentioned by them, man. <laughs> bad parenting podcast. I their latest show. Oh no, I read that wrong. It was October 30th, 2017. Yeah, they should be gone because they have split. What? Oh. Yeah. yeah, that was Justin. Moving right on. Yeah, moving along on that one. Um, so here's here's my question. So what do we have like four shows to promote now? Why? Okay, I know us. How are we at show two hundred and fifty nine, and other like seemingly normal people can't got to like seventy five? We're we're not like good at things. 
Well, I Am Salt Lake is 100 episodes up on us. Oh, it is? Yeah, maybe every week I just have to say, listen to the Podcast Collective, where well, you have uh, I Am Salt Lake and 52 shows involving Joel. <laughs> <laughs> That's Joel's latest podcast called Rawr, Rawr, Rawr. <laughs> I just do that for an this hour. going to be called the Joel Cast Collective. 45 minutes of Joel going, rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> So if you're looking for more of this stuff, uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and Podcatcher. Yes, did I get that right? I always I always mess it up with something else. Chaser. Podchaser. See, that's what I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I usually call it Podcatcher. Yeah, Podchaser. I want to say thank you. Podcatcher. Pod... That's a totally different website. What? Pod pitcher. Pod pitcher, catcher, chaser. I don't ever want to play sports with you. I just want to say thank you to our latest review. We now have another review. <laughs> if Pat asks you if you want to be catcher or pitcher, he's not talking about sports. Yeah. <laughs> there sports, you go. <laughs> sports was in quotes. <laughs> go on. Sorry. I'm glad somebody caught that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So, um, <laughs> Ridley and Mr. Ridley. Ridley. Ridley, M. Ridley. Yeah. Uh, he says, we're a great mix of review and insights all wrapped up in a cozy blanket of nostalgia with syrup. That makes us sound civilized. That makes us sound del- like a delicious breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. He gives five stars. Matt's a good dude. Aw. All right. Now, if you're uh, looking to get in touch with us, that's a 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Call us on oh. those telephones that you keep in your pocket. Don't forget iHeartRadio. I, yeah, we are now on iHeartRadio. And uh, do we have any other uh, voicemail or anything like that? Nope, nothing like that. <laughs> nothing, honey. Nothing like that, no. Hey, but we got a review, so. Yeah, so thank you for telling us your opinion. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, I guess. It's about that it, time. Yeah, I guess so. This week in music. Movies and TV. Oh, that was really a letdown. Now you know how we feel. Right. So, yeah. So, July 18th, 1980 was was premiere of the original Prom Night. Six. Almost. Almost. Because September 3rd of 80, I would have turned six. Yep. So, it was uh, three days after my fourth birthday. I was... I don't know. Pat, how old were you? He's gone. He's muted again, isn't he? Uh, no, nope, nope. He he told us he left. I was just hoping yeah. you wouldn't throw to him. Oh. He had to be he had to be Okay, so yeah, so Pat would have I would have been eight or nine years old, <laughs> says Patrick. <laughs> Everything's okay. No one no one's murdering anyone. The the loud noise was cats fighting. So all good. In the hood. Hang so on. how old were you on uh, July eighteenth, nineteen eighty, Pat? Uh, I was almost eight. See. I, mean, yeah. I was almost eight also. That's how I tell how old I am. <laughs> I call Patrick and I say, hey, Pat, how old are you? And I say, I'm a little bit less than that. <laughs> he's just constantly throwing to Pat, even when he's in conversations with Pat's not even in the room. He, he just turns, how old are we, Pat? Pat's and he just turns right back to the conversation. Anyway, yeah. We... Makes meetings at work. Kind of upsetting. <laughs> Who is he talking to? Who is this bad guy he keeps talking? Where did he get the hand puppet? <laughs> so yeah, so 1980 uh, premiere of Prom Night. Prom Night. Prom Night. Yes, 
It, well, it is perm night in that in the 1981. Oh God, yeah. There are some perms of flapping. So music, uh, top songs in the land are little. Wait, flapping? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I'm I'm good. Top songs in the land are Little Genies by Elton John at number three. Coming up, Live at Glasgow's by Paul McCartney and Wings at number two. And the number one song is It's Still Rock and Roll by Me. Wait. To me. Rock and Roll by Me. <laughs> it's still rock, and roll. still rock and Roll to Me by Billy Joel. I don't know if that's better or worse than the version that's in the show notes. It's Still Rock and Roll to Mess. <laughs> that's why I got thrown off. I'm like, wait. I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I pluralized all the sh- all the uh, titles. And speaking oh, of that's me. what was going on. Oh, it was a bit. And speaking of the number one song. We've uh, got bits. My namesake, <laughs> Billy Joel's Glass Houses album, topped the charts as well. Yes. Your name's not Billy. Oh, okay. wait. Never mind. What? You should marry him so your name would be Joel Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... <laughs> What's the stupidest goddamn thing I've ever heard? Why is it so funny? (laughs) Uh, It's always the simple ones that get you. It really is. (laughs) I'm going to give him a call later and see if he's into it. Uh, On August 19th, fans at Exhibition Stadium in Toronto stage a riot after Alice Cooper cancels because of illness. That might be the one we had talked about previously where he fell and broke his ankle. Mm. Or he bit the head off of Ozzy Osbourne. He finished that concert, though, so it can't be that concert. might have been the next one or something. I think somebody's looking it up, probably, Mike. I am looking it up. Because whenever things get highlighted, that usually means Mike is looking <laughs> Oh, it shut up. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that is true. It either, either means he's looking something up or someone's trying to read that sentence and he wants to fuck with it. So apparently a 13,000 attending concert uh, after 90 minutes of nothing, somebody showed up on stage and said Alice Cooper was running late due to a luggage concern at the airport. What? (laughs) They grabbed his weed bag, apparently. Just after 10 p.m., Cooper's guitarist appeared on stage and said Alice wouldn't be playing the show. Wagner had not even finished speaking before chairs began flying at the stage. (laughs) So people were just standing in the audience for an hour and a half before they knew anything. You know uh, how mad you have to get a Canadian to get him to throw chairs? Seriously, right? Uh, so more than 200 p- Toronto police officers quickly descended upon the venue, ultimately resulting in the rest of... Gotta guess, there's 13,000 people there. How many Canadians did they arrest? Uh, 87. Um, two. The entire nation of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> 30 on 20 charges, and 18 people were hospitalized due to chair-related injuries. And they... Damage was 175,000 Canadian dollars, I'm guessing. Twelve of them said, I'm sorry, and they said, okay, don't do it again, and they let him go. That's a all boot here. Forgiveness, eh? So, all right. What? Hmm? Oh, uh, it was a simple thing. The first show that he had missed in 15 years in an interview with Cooper, he said he has bronchial asthma and was born with it, and he had an asthma attack in Toronto in full costume and could not walk across the room. That sucks. I like somebody hit him with a chair. <laughs> That's the way they greet people in Toronto. You know what? Maybe his meds were in a bag that was confiscated. Yeah. Do you mean, do you mean his weed? Could have been, but it also could have been real meds if he has real asthma. Oh. You could do both. You could have asthma and smoke weed. <laughs> well, he could have edibles or something else, too. True. So, uh, the 20th also sees the release of the Blues Brothers soundtrack featuring such songs as She Caught the Katie, 
Minnie the Moocher by Cab Calloway, and an almost eight-minute version of Sweet Home Chicago. That's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It's a really good soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. And it's a pretty dang fantastic film as well. True. True. Uh, Who doesn't love Carrie Fisher with a rocket launcher? Yes. So many fetishes had their check marks on those. (laughs) And and an, an assault rifle. Yeah. Yes. I, I was at a wedding once and I requested Sweet Home Chicago. And, and? like, they played the whole friggin' thing. I mean, it cleared the dance floor. After five minutes, everyone was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> and then back it up by Susie Q by CCR. Yeah, and then they finished it with the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and everybody just went <laughs> home and cried. <laughs> After Freebird. Yeah, and the then trucking by the Grateful Dead. And the daughters. And then the anything by Meatloaf. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, and then for the encore, they played Alice's Restaurant. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> it was a great oh, wedding. They only played five songs, man. That <laughs> sucks. No, we were there for an hour and a half. <laughs> Easiest 100 bucks I ever made. Uh, and finally, Michelle Williams, American singer from Destiny's Child, was born in Rockford, Illinois, on July 23rd. Westside. Something came out of Rockford that was good. Cheap Trick came from Rockford. Two things. Mm. One and a half. <laughs> I like Cheap Trick. I like Cheap Trick, too. Most people I think like Michelle is maybe the, the half. All right, moving on to movies. Movie. The number one movie in the land was My Bodyguard, starring an 18-year-old Adam Baldwin and a 16-year-old Matt Dillon. Chris Makepeace. Meh. Yeah, he hasn't done anything since, like, 2001, and even that wasn't... Awesome. I don't even know who that is. He was the kid who hired Al- Adam Baldwin to be the... Uh, Adam Baldwin was a bodyguard. Matt Dillon yeah. was a bully. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he was the... Oh, he was a weird-looking kid. He was the lead, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Ann Bell, born July 18th, is an American actress who began her acting career by starring in stage productions while attending the Tisch School of the Arts in New York. Bell gained critical acclaim for her first major role as the title character in the teen noir drama television series veronica mars which i still haven't seen believe it or same not here. same here yeah. i've always wanted to and had her breakout role in the comedy which is the acronym acronym of the week fsm which i'm pretty sure is fudanari sex monster <laughs> jesus is that part like, one or part two <laughs> i'm not even entirely sure i get that but it's still funny google yeah. that i bet there's something out there that just totally runs parallel with that like, the people who know what that first word means this one's gonna get them <laughs> <laughs> no that was you were you were close it's uh forgetting sarah marshall oh. which is a highly underrated comedy it it's really good yeah like, oh please no god not the shirt and and didn't he actually do the entire puppet thing at the end? He turned it to, into like an entire yeah. script. Yeah. Good on him. Well, there's also a sex monster in there too. Mm. Mm. Huh. Movies released this week included Michael Teske. Damn it. Included <laughs> Cheech and Chong's <laughs> next movie, Oh Heavenly Dog, and Used Cars. I'm sorry. I was looking up if Oh Heavenly Dog was what I thought it was. I like used cars. I actually own that one. That's a used lot of fun. cars was one of the first times I saw a boob in a movie. Really? Um, My dad was watching it on like uh, HBO or something. I think La Caja Faux was the first time I saw one. My mom got mad and took me out of the room. Either that or um, uh, the woman in red. Oh, heavenly dog starring Chevy Chase, Jane Seymour and Benji. Oh, I actually kind of remember that movie. Yeah. Chevy Chase dies and comes back as a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is that Omar Sharif? Yeah. <laughs> It is. Oh, Omar, Sharif. 
Yeah. <laughs> Omar Sharif. When is that going to be revealed? Robert Morley and Ellen Sues. With Tracy Morgan. Uh, <laughs> oh. Wow, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. Ellen Sues. a Seuss. long time. All right, so uh, TV. Top shows in the land were Dallas, The Dukes of Hazard, and MASH. That's I th- kind of refreshing. Yeah, it's a, it's a change up from having the Cosby Show and uh, you know other other. A different world and Cheers. Yeah, we. I wish there was a way. I, Mash is due for a remake. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, it would have to be all unknowns. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I mean seriously. I, I and I'm thinking of like the movie Mash. You know, which I think. I bet you anything they're not going to have Spear Trucker Jones in it. <laughs> True. <laughs> really. I don't know, man. He was he was kind of like pivotal to the entire football scene, dude. Played by Danny McBride. Wait, what? <laughs> Shit. If they went that way with it, I would be totally in. MASH starring Danny McBride as Spear Chucker Jones. There you go. Wow. It writes itself. So uh, primetime hour this week sees a rerun of The Incredible Hulk, Equinox. Uh, while working on a private island owned by a spoiled heiress, David is asked to join a masquerade party, which Jack McGee attends uninvited. Meanwhile, someone is out to kill the heiress. Spoiler, David turns into the Hulk and saves the heiress. Just guessing on that one. I don't know if I've actually seen that episode. Another spoiler, the killer is actually Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And a very young Danny McBride. Another rerun of the Dukes of Hazard, Treasure of Hazard. The Dukes help a history professor find a Civil War strongbox buried in Hazard County that contains a regimental payroll. But Boss Hogg and a couple of thugs are after it too, which begs the question: Wasn't okay? Wasn't Hazard County south of Mason-Dixon? Yes. Wouldn't have been Confederate dollars. Yes. Okay. They still have uh, some kind of value. Well, I'm sure there's some sort of collector value. To right, it. Yeah, it's the right people. Yeah. Maybe okay. that's a twist at the end as they're like, it's Confederate dollars. Yeek, 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 yeek. Yeah, because that would be actually a good one. I don't know what the. Yeah, because. i got to look that one up. We haven't do. done a Dukes of Hazard show, have we? No, we haven't. No, we talked about it early on. we got to do that. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot because I think it's streaming. The J. It's really hot Jessica Simpson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, different Strokes, Teacher's Pet, which is also the title of Joel's. Sex tape. Which one? Number three. With the teacher, obviously. Yeah. Oh, right. Number three. You're right. Yeah. And 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 the Drummonds, um, which is yet another rerun. Parent which teacher. Was number four. <laughs> Parent teacher night. This actually sounds like a porn. Parent teacher night leads Mr. Drummond to a romance with Arnold's teacher, and leaves poor or- Arnold open to the jealousy of his classmates. Arnold tries every trick in the book to win back his friends, including one which may have him <gasps> expelled. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Chris Sullivan, an American actor and musician, was born on July 19th. He's known for playing Taserface in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume <laughs> 2. And, uh, oh, he played Benny. Now I'm sad. In Stranger Things, Benny, remember he was the guy who owned the, uh, the burger oh, barn. Yeah. He got shot in the face. He was like the first yeah, one who got, got shot in the face. Uh, he he was currently such a nice guy. he was. Yeah. He currently stars as Toby on This Is Us. Ah, poor Benny. The poor everyone movie. who watches This Is Us. <laughs> it's so popular. I haven't. It's it's on my list, but every time I go to it, I'm like, uh... like there's so many other things to watch. Yeah, I could watch Hellboy again. 
It's got a huge fan base, so that just means they're big. People are crazy about that show. Moving on to sports. Crazy. On July 15th, Johnny Bench hit his 314th home run as a catcher, breaking Yogi Berra's record. Lori Fredrickson, Team USA member in the 90s in rhythmic gym- gymnastics, was born July 13th. I couldn't really find anything on her. That's pretty much it for her web presence. Lori Fredrickson? Yes. Oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. I Google searched that. I got a picture of a, looks like a class photo, a map of the United States, and a bunch of fractals. And that pretty much sums up Lori. <laughs> it creates more questions than the answers. <laughs> Naumal Giumai Makhija was an Indian cricketer who was India's first opening batsman in test cricket. Naumal Gmal scored 33 and 25 opening India's innings in their first ever test at Lords in 1932. Uh-oh. Oh, my Lords. <laughs> he also shared stands of 39 and 41 with his opening partner, Janardan Navi in these two innings. Sadly, he had his last at-bat as he died of undisclosed causes this week, one random day that we don't know, apparently. No, it was the 20th, or the 18th. On the 18th. Yes. What what does it mean if you have shared stands? Is that that a new phrase? That is definitely a new phrase. I don't know what it means. All right, audience, new phrase in cricket. Everybody drink. Everybody drink. Is there some kind of like game where there's two wicket keepers, maybe? I don't know. No. I mean, well, there's two wicket keepers for either team, but it's not like they're they're not partners because they're on opposite teams. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, I don't know what the shared stands of thirty nine and forty one. And what the hell happens in only two innings in cricket? Normally it's like thirty eight innings and they scored a hundred and forty five maidens and twenty three schnauzers. <laughs> Is this that... only uh, this only creates more questions if we keep going down this rabbit hole. Oh. We're not going to solve them. Lastly, in sports, Jean Claude Joyer climbed the Eiffel Tower in two hours eighteen minutes on July twenty first. Huh. I don't. You know, it, I didn't care to look up whether that was like free climbing or with uh, ropes and pulleys or whatever. But no, I looked it up, and apparently it is free climbing. Free climbing. I want to keep going down that rabbit hole. No, you don't. You want to mm-hmm. learn more about shared stands? Yeah. It sounds like something an insurance person would talk about. And fractals. Or it's like some kind of porn term. You want to do a shared stand? Well. It's like an Eiffel Tower, but one guy is uh, standing (laughs) on a Jesus Christ. If I could turn back time. What? (sighs) All right, lead us out, keyboard (laughs) Joel. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. I got it, and I'd like to return it. (laughs) (laughs) No, No returns. We have a 30-second policy. If you don't say anything in 30 seconds, it's yours. It's like it's like that hotel we went to that had no refunds after 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, so prom night, 1980. Hey, uh, why does my hotel room have a glory hole in it? Why is everything so shiny? Um, at a high school senior prom, a mass killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previously. Normally, I say that's a terrible summation of the movie but except it really is yeah that's perfect. about right it's kind of boring but it's accurate yeah but the kids in that movie were at the beginning were probably 10 so i would say that probably eight to ten years well maybe not 10 years well it said six years later yeah did it really yeah because wow. those yeah, kids I think were, they were not... supposed to be like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. so uh oh, oh god so this is directed by Paul Lynch, who Not has Paul Lind. 
Not Paul Lind. Not Paul Lind. No. <laughs> would have been an entirely different movie. And I would have watched it <laughs> and enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, so Paul Paul Lind, Lynch, <laughs> damn it, uh, director of RoboCop. No. That's what it says. Yeah, but that's the um, uh, that's not the movie because that was Paul Fairhoven. Well, it's, it's the animated TV. series. He, no, it's a TV series. Okay, he okay. I rescind my previous statement. He directed a shitload of TV. That's the, <laughs> that's the hentai version of RoboCop. RoboCop? Yeah, he rent uh, RoboCop the TV series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, Matrix the TV series, Top Cops. Oof. Um, Twilight Zone looks like. Baywatch Nights. Wow, this guy had like good shit all over the place. Uh, FX the series, Poltergeist the Legacy. Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh, here we go. Sliders. Um, the Magician's House. So weird. His his entire entire portfolio is just like a big old bucket of shit. Well, and his most recent credit here is a TV movie called Taken Too Far from 2017, um, starring Beverly Mitchell and Christina Cox. A jealous dance mom takes extreme measures to ensure her daughter wins a scholarship to an exclusive dance academy, but the victim's mother will do whatever necessary to protect her own daughter from the rival mom's evil scheme. Sounds like a winner. Sounds like a... I don't, I don't even know. All right, Doesn't so, sound good. <laughs> so William Gray wrote the screenplay, which I'm really kind of weirded out by this one because he wrote one of my favorite horror movies, The Changeling. Hmm, he did? Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you've if you have you got any of you guys outside of me ever seen this? It's on my list, but I've not actually watched it. It's I don't think I've watched it. It's a it's a, a ghost story, but it it stars George C. Scott as a as a man whose entire family was killed in a traffic accident. Oh, I was reading about this this morning, and uh, it was on my mental list to go see it. I but I'd forgotten about it. It's really it's- good. I'm fairly certain that it's streaming on Amazon Prime because it's one of them that I suggested for. Yeah, it's like in the very opening. I mean, I'm not spoiling anything because this is like the first five minutes of the movie. Like his car breaks down in the snow. He gets out of the car with his wife and child. His wife and daughter are still in the car. And he walks to a phone booth to make a call to get a tow truck. In the meantime, while he's in the phone booth, a semi-trailer comes around the corner, loses traction, tips over, and wipes out his car with his wife and daughter in it. And then the movie starts. Yikes. Yeah. So it's a feel-good horror movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> Care Bears and shit. Uh, um, another person who wrote this story is Robert Guza Jr., who is known mind. for this and episodes of General Hospital. <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah, it does. Um... Cast-wise, starring, now I know you. this is radio, so you can't see me making the air quotes on this, starring Leslie Nielsen as Mr. Hammond, who decided apparently halfway through the movie to go home. <laughs> uh, he only devoted two days to shooting. And that's the thing, is like halfway through the movie, like, what <laughs> happened to Mr. Hammond? I haven't seen him all night. He shot this on breaks from Naked Gun. No, this is actually, Josh and I talked about this earlier. Um, it's the this came out right about the same time as Airplane, so they must have been doing this at the same time. So he probably shot a couple scenes of this and then went and actually went over to go do a good movie. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, naked gun by accident. Ja- Jamie Lee Curtis as Kim, Casey Stevens as Nick, who uh, I looked up his IMDb page and he is known for Prom Night. 
Yeah, I was gonna say this movie and nothing else. I'm sure. And uh, oh, Police Squad was '82. Police Squad. Yeah. Yeah, Police Squad was after Airplane, though. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was just correcting yeah. Pat. Okay. Yeah, we were just talking before the show about how uh, I wondered if this was well before his breakout, and it turned out it was at the same time within yeah. weeks of his breakout. And that's right. why I'm saying I screwed up because I was listening to that conversation. Ah. And, I meant, and I meant to say airplane, but I accidentally said naked gun. Now, gotcha. down this hole we're in right now. This is kind of twisted. Anne Marie Martin, who played Wendy, which is the the woman, the girl in the red dress, who was listed in the credits as Eddie Benton. So that's kind of confusing all around. But well, no, I mean, her name, her name was like um, Ed, Ed Arena or something like that, and Eddie was a nickname. Okay, but here's something else. She was also Clea Lake. From the Doctor Strange 1978 version that we watched. Awesome. And was a writer on Twister, along with being in the show Sledgehammer. And she married somebody, too. I'm trying to remember who it was. I just read her bio. Who is she? Like Michael it. Crichton. Yeah, Michael Crichton. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, it's like, how can someone who's in such a shitty movie go on to do... Because she's really hot and she, you know... Basically found her found her star to latch onto and as soon as she could and yeah I suspect we're gonna disagree about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Tuff as Alex Tuff, who is known for Prom Night and Dead Silence, a great horror movie about puppets. Uh, Robert A. Silverman as Sykes, who I was expecting to have a lot more things going on in this movie. I yeah. Did and- too. Then the cast list gets weird because they don't credit any of the main four kids. And we've got like uncredited dancer and Vicky who just shows her butt. Well, I included Michelle Scarabelli uh, because she was in um, Alienation, the TV series and the movie. Yeah, I just it was weird because I was ready to comment about good casting and realized that like half the cast isn't on this list. Yeah. In terms of like main characters. Well, and. Jeff Wincott, you may have seen in various things. The only reason I included the last one was because of the trivia that's coming up. Uh, gotcha. So the last one, Brock Simpson played young Nick. What about what about uh, uh, the Cro-Magnon dude? As, oh, Lou. David Mucci as Lou. Now, you, uh, you may know him from his amazing scene in Prom Night, but you may also remember him as, ready for it? The model for every pumpkin out there. Pretty much. He was also the horse cop from Half Baked. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Buttercup. Say her name, Buttercup. She's diabetic. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. Let's just say I'm not getting the respect a cop killer deserves. <laughs> but, yeah, he um, a lot, a lot of little, like, one shots all over the place for this guy and his eyebrows. There is the horse cop. Yep. So, uh, trivia. In one of several scenes removed from the theatrical version of the movie, <laughs> I say surprised that they just didn't be like, yeah, let's just run with what we got. Uh, Principal Hammond takes his wife to visit Dr. Fairchild after a visit to Robin's resting place at the cemetery. As Vivian is seated in the office and the men talk privately in the hallway, it is revealed that Robin and Alex are twins. Which could have been a big spoiler. That's probably why they left it out. Although I first time I saw this, I thought that uh, Leslie Nielsen was the killer. You know, I thought it was the mom. What I thought was 
I actually one of the reasons why I genuinely like this film, since we're going in that direction, is because though it was a really formulaic slasher film, they were playing with who there's kind of who done it aspect to it, like who is behind the mask, and they give you like one guy that's so obvious it's uh, it can't be him, and then a, a couple of other possible candidates all the way up to the end, mm-hmm. and I thought that was neat. It was. They actually they actually played it off pretty good that you weren't actually 100% certain because you had about four or five different people that it could have been because they were never like around when other things were happening or there was some sort of connection to it. But uh, David Mucci, Mucci? Mucci, uh, who played Troublemaker Lou, had a serious medical condition. He was forced to be immobilized underneath the stage for the scene in which Lou was decapitated. He was terrified that something would happen while he was trapped there, so director Paul Lynch held his hand underneath the stage for the duration of the scene to assure him that everything would be all right. I thought that was a funny visual image. (laughs) Well, in, in, okay, to his defense... His character just did get decapitated, and they're like, "Now we want you to stick your head in this hole and per, you know, and be on the floor where people are going to run around you." I would be a little worried too. Indefinitely. Right. So Brock Simpson is the only actor to have appeared in all four. That's right, four prom night movies. Yep. Was it a flashback every time? That's the part I was wondering. Probably not, because by the time they were done filming it, he wouldn't be young enough for the flashbacks. Well, and the uh, Prom Night 2, 3, and 4 have no connection to the uh, first film. So he just randomly plays somebody else. Yeah, the the sequels were all about a prom queen killer named Mary Lou. So Prom Night 2, Hello Mary Lou, uh, he plays Josh. In Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, he plays Larry. In Prom Night 4, Delivers from Evil, he plays Father Colin. Huh. Yeah, that was a bit of trivia that they didn't put here uh, that I was a little surprised, is that all of the sequels were just uh, cash-ins on the uh, popularity, and it had ver- absolutely zero to do with the original Prom Night. Correct. Hmm. All right, so more trivia. According to director Paul Lynch, I'm going to say Paul Lind, Paul Lind, the documentary Going to Pieces, the rise and fall of the slasher film, he was having difficulty securing financing until Jamie Lee Curtis signed on. Once the film was shot, Paramount expressed interest in distributing the movie. However, they only wanted to open it in 300 theaters, whereas Avco Embassy Pictures offered to release it in 1,200. Avco Embassy released Prom Night as a result. That same year, Paramount released another independent slasher film called Friday the 13th. Neat. Yeah. It's far superior. You think? <laughs> I don't mean in gross. I just mean in film. Making. So director Paul Lynch in a hallucinogenic haze originally conceived the film to be about a psychotic gynecologist to cash in on Halloween. I'm not sure how he made that leap. <laughs> I don't either. I, don't I really want to read that, that script. But upon being told that such a film would be distasteful, <laughs> putting it lightly... And uh, retooled it into something completely different, which was this film. And then David Cronenberg said, huh. Wait, we can do that? And made a, um, oh, damn it. I forgot the name of the movie with Jeremy Jeremy Irons. Oh, shit. Uh, The one about the twins. Yes, the twin gynecologists. Jesus, I saw that movie. That was so fucking disturbing. It wasn't Dungeons and Dragons? It was not Dungeons and Dragons. It did have Jeremy Irons, though. 
No, you're right. Yes, he. Yes, it did. <laughs> I'm helping. It's in Jeremy Irons' gynecologist. <laughs> dead ringers. <laughs> Though the movie we're talking about is Dead Ringers. Yes. And when you type in twin gynecologists, Stuart and Cyril Marcus are identical twin gynecologists who practiced together in New York City and died together in 1975 at the age of 45. I'm not entirely sure this is a rabbit hole we should go down either. (laughs) I don't understand. They assumed it was barbiturate withdrawal, but the final report excluded this, and they probably died of barbiturate overdose. That was a weird little side note. Um, Okay, so first thing I want to comment is... Uh, in my notes, I wrote down that all the music in this film sounds like it's being played by a cover band that only heard the song once. <laughs> one, of the, one of the trivia bits I left out was that the music was written in five days. Right. Um, that, that, that end song was absolutely atrocious. It was. Well, here's the thing. Originally, the music from Prom Night was supposed to have had Gloria Gaynor, um, all this other like really you know good disco music but they could not afford the uh, rights to it so they wound up they the zaza the music guy on this one um they told him hey write some music for this he wrote the music in two two days he wrote all these like disco songs and then wound up getting sued for copyright infringement (laughs) Because so many of the songs are similar to the originals that he it just basically is altering a couple notes and going on from there. But the thing is, the funny thing is, is that the soundtrack to Prom Night is like a collector's item now because it was only released in Canada and Japan before the lawsuit kicked in and then everything else was pulled from the shelves. It's fun to stay at the YMCR. It's fun to stay at the Y. <laughs> No, I thought that was I thought that was pretty pretty crazy. So it's a bold move. All right, before we totally move on into the plot, uh, there was one interesting thing. The uh, cast list didn't mention at all Mary Beth Rubens. Uh, she played the girl with the braces, uh, who was topless. Yes. Uh, the one intro I thought she looked the most like her kid actor counterpart. Like to the point when she appeared on screen, I knew exactly which character she was supposed to be. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And also, I remembered her despite the fact that she's only been in like five movies because she's topless in like every film she was in. Hooray for her. Yeah. Just she was in perfect timing and uh, something. I support all women that want to be topless. Something called Firebird 2015 AD. <laughs> Classic. But yeah. Never seen it. Wow. A movie Joel hasn't seen. Oh, stop it. I thought that was only like home movies. Well, and even then. So that was that was just a bit. I, I was waiting to talk about Mary Beth Rubens, but I couldn't remember her name and she wasn't in the cast list. So I, I was searching this time. Is she related to Paul Rubens? Do you know? I don't know. Hmm. I don't think so, though. It, it probably would say on her uh, IMDb and she's Canadian. It almost certainly would. Kissing cousins. So they could oh, get married Canadian. and she wouldn't have to change any of her licensing or anything. She's. Canadian, just, she's probably a chair thrower. Just like Joel Joel. <laughs> right? <laughs> so. Uh, uh, got me with my own joke. <laughs> this was my first time seeing this. Really? Same, Same here. here. 
I actually bought a copy on DVD randomly for like two bucks at one point, so I actually own this one. Two bucks sounds like a good price for this, really. You really didn't like this movie, huh? I didn't say that. I'm just saying two okay. bucks sounds like a good price. No spoilers yet. I was going to say, this is the third amount of shade you've thrown at it. Yeah, okay, I may, show, I may throw shade at this movie, but that does not mean that I did not enjoy it. Fair. So this is the first viewing for me. When I saw Leslie Nielsen in it, I was really expecting Leslie Nielsen. Well, but consider at the time he was still in a serious actor phase. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, uh, That's the best part about a Leslie Nielsen movie is if it's in a certain time, you never know which kind of Leslie Nielsen you're getting. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you're going to get the military-esque, serious Leslie Nielsen, or you're going to get the slap-happy, vamp, uh, Dracula dead and loving it Leslie Nielsen. This movie, uh, this is probably the third time I've seen it, and every time I see it, I'm always kind of taken aback at the the use of the soft focus on like the entire film. It always throws me off. It was a very polite Canadian horror film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot groundbreaking, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. It, 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 it. Go ahead, Joel. I was gonna say it. It was a lot of wash, rinse, repeat. As far as I mean. And which is interesting because until Friday the 13th happened in the same year, you really weren't getting a lot of those movies just yet. Because Halloween came out and they did, were doing a lot of the, the you know, the annual yeah, kind of things. But but in this one, you had the masked slasher gets his ass kicked by some of his victims. Like yeah. he is very human. And that stood out to me. And it also because he wasn't like supernaturally everywhere and people were running away from him, hitting him with brooms and shit. And it kind of brought it home. The, I don't know which one of these characters we've seen so far is behind that mask kind of mystery. Also getting hit upside the head with the back of an ax. Well, that, that turned out to be its weakness. Yes. Axes. Yeah. Oh, she found my only weakness. Well, I mean, he'd been getting his ass kicked all night, and even if you get hit with the blunt side, I mean, obviously, she she just fucked him up. And yeah. considering the ending, like, that is a real downer ending. <laughs> right? She, this she is talk- not a feel-good movie. Yeah, she talks the cops out of shooting the killer when she realizes the killer is her remaining sibling, and she killed him. And that is the end. Yeah, and that's the end. Yeah. Literally. So, one of those things is like, a theme from the from the one now is kids who are going to need a lot of therapy. <laughs> but at that point, don't you pretty much have to marry Nick? You're like, I killed my brother to save your life. I guess we're just going to have to get married. There's no way you can break up with him after that. Well, you could because he's not going to argue about it. Because, but he, so, I mean, you you obviously chose him over your brother. Not intentionally. She didn't know. But I'm just saying that at that point, you know, you just sealed the deal. Marry the guy. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I, this movie, I don't know. I've got a weird, I don't know if I like it or not. And there's so many other things that came out at this time that were better, like, uh, the shining motel hell, um, Friday the 13th. So it just, it kind of falls to the wayside as kind of a meh outing to me. Yeah. I, I didn't have any particular expectations going in aside from the fact I knew it was this like right on the border of seventies horror flick. And maybe my low expectations made me, I'm not going to say I loved it. It's not going to become something I watch every, uh, 
every year, but it was something that I enjoyed. I was glad that I finally got around to seeing. Pat, was this your first time seeing it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I really wasn't looking forward to it because I just, I figured it was going to be pretty much exactly what it was, which was kind of like how Joel described it, you know, just a kind of an average horror movie that wasn't anything special and didn't, didn't break any, any rules, didn't create any rules. It just kind of showed a situation where, oh, this bad thing happened and I'm going to sit in the shadows for six years and eat my Wheaties and get strong enough to survive <laughs> getting thrown around, you know, like a bull with a giant van. <laughs> okay. What the hell did he carry in that van that that fucker blew up immediately as it went airborne? <laughs> that was some good weed. You yeah, gotta you give know how that weed was, man. <laughs> it was just, and he had a shit ton of weed in that van too. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that is a lot of joints. You know how much that costs? I mean, considering that Slick looked like me in high school, you gotta <laughs> give credit to like his amount of charisma. He's yeah, kind of like meet the girl on the same day, ask her to prom, nail her, and then almost die. get away from a killer, and then die in a fiery explosion. <laughs> He he put up the best fight seriously for for a Jewish pirate is what I think he was going for in that look. He did I mean especially the one scene one point in the drive the van in circles where the killer swung out on that door when the door popped open on him. It was an entertaining scene. That was that was a hell of a day for old Slick and a good way and and a good way to go out. Well, I'll give him credit for getting, you know, a good-looking girl. Uh with that tactic of almost running her over and then being awkward and weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I how's, saw this, how's it uh, working for you, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that many joints. <laughs> or a van that sweet. That uh, was a act- pretty sweet van. Sorry. <laughs> the actor who played Slick, Sheldon Rabowski, uh, he was one of several cast members who showed up on this weird Canadian TV show called The Littlest Hobo about a smart German shepherd. You know, there's a, there's a few cast members from this film who were in The Littlest Hobo. If if you were going to if you were going to say I'm going to make a show called The Littlest Hobo, guess what it's about? The German Shepherd thing wouldn't have even come into my mind. Uh, is it a remake of uh, a home for Joe? No place for Joe. The littlest hobo is you've got uh, this dog called London who uh, wanders around the country getting into adventures. He's like a super intelligent German shepherd. God, you know, like that that crossover between the 70s and 80s. It was a weird time. Yeah, this is like a 1979 Canadian show. Yeah, just about a dog that like helps people as it wanders around the country. I'm just imagining the boardroom meeting where the guy's like, "Okay, Joe." Throw that chair against the wally. Let's see what sticks. Uh, it just, yeah. Okay, the joke's dead now. <laughs> Is it? It's, it's already dead. <laughs> Is it now? Uh, well, and then, of course, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis, who seemed yeah. kind of, uh, I don't know, she, she felt a little out of place. But I think that's just because she was such a much bigger star than everybody else except for Leslie Nielsen. Well, and the fact that they were all supposed to be in high school, yet they were all clearly in their mid twenties. Yeah, yeah, she was like twenty-two. Yeah, some of them were pushing their thirty-fives. <laughs> <laughs> One guy's out there with a tracheotomy hole, you know, pushing around a walker. <laughs> you sh- sir, are you sure you're in high school? Uh, I repeated my senior year. I like the disco. <laughs> Let's uh, boogie <coughs> out right. my hip. We, we did get to see Jamie Lee Curtis do some disco dancing. I, and that was uh, pretty. I think if I had seen this, 
uh, when I was four, I would have instantly gone through puberty just watching this movie. <laughs> it, I do have to agree with you on that one. This this is a precursor to the um, the scene from True Lies. Yes. Which is amazing. Which we all know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back now, I yeah. sent a gift. I'll be right back. Oh, no. He's thinking about <laughs> True Lies again. I'll be in my bunk. Sad thing is he's not he's not thinking about her. She's he's thinking about Let's Slick Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, thinking about Slick. Aren't we all? I'll be in my van. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was a pretty baller move, just pulling up on the curb like that. Yep. I wish I was that cool in high at school. First, at first, I was yeah, right. At first, I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I was like, "Okay, that's pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, and she just got in the car. The seventies were a weird time. Right. Seriously. He, he Jedi mind tricked her right into the car. Yeah, he was like, oh, this is my first time, too. Who could imagine that I only saw you this morning for the first time in my life as you drove your fan up on the curb and almost hit me? <laughs> yeah, any other film, that character looking like that with that tactic, it would have been a joke throwaway moment as she shoots him down. Right, and there would have been the sound effect that went boing. <laughs> yeah. maybe he comes back and tries to save her in the third act and gets killed by the slasher but that's not slick's way slick's way is yeah. to go out in a demolition derby rodeo ball of flame <laughs> that, i got weed and gasoline and i'm all out of weed <laughs> That van caught fire before it even hit the first. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. my I'm going to pour one out for Slick. <laughs> what was in that thing? Jet fuel? <laughs> That's how he rolls his joints. It's like, uh, anyway. His entire um, the entire carpeting was all made with petroleum. <laughs> oh, fucking Slick. Uh, Best character in the movie. Now, what was up with the uh, the whispering? With the killer? next. <laughs> okay. Which, I think he was trying to disguise his voice. I think so too, but it was weird. Which begs the uh, question with the phone calls. What, were obscene phone calls just like a lot more socially acceptable back then? No, but not, they were more common back then in the 70s slash 80s. Yeah, for sure not socially acceptable, but definitely more common because caller ID had not been invented. Yeah. And people would just call you up and you know and just not say anything and just listen and just breathe heavy. It, it, it yeah, they were the unsolicited dick pics of 1979. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's time, <laughs> man. But caller ID like squashed that shit immediately. <laughs> Quite a bit, anyway. It didn't kill it, but it did change the game. When you can start calling them back, <laughs> I'm sorry, you didn't finish your sentence. You want to go on with that? <laughs> You got the right number, buddy. Um, I got a glory hole in my phone. <laughs> it, 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 I don't think he knows what glory holes are. He's just carrying around a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> and some lumber. All right. I, I, I seriously think that our first 40 going on 14 t-shirt has to be a picture of Slick. Seriously, I mean, the guy, I mean, he is he is us. He goes, I mean, he's got absolutely nothing going for him except for the van. Balls out confident and then goes out in a ball of fu- ball flame. <laughs> I don't want to go out in a ball of flame. Oh, slick. <sighs> Rest in peace. Um, did, did, did anybody else have the feeling that it felt like a, almost like a movie of the week, but with a little bit of blood here and there, at least at the end? And 
then it got crazy with the the severed head thing. But <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was like, what happened to the gentleman slasher film that was going on when suddenly this head is just flopping around on the stage? Yeah, previously when it first started, I, that's always a sense I get. Like it's either it's a late night Cinemax movie. Um, or it's a made-for-TV movie that ends up not knowing what it needs to be. I mean, I can just imagine like the director's telling her, the, the one girl, he's like, okay, yeah, we, uh, we don't need a topless scene. She's like, oh, no, it's good. I do this in every movie. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, but it's not that kind of movie. No, no, it's okay. My shirt's already off. Just start filming. It's only the second movie you've ever done. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's what I'm known for. Slick talked me into it. <laughs> it's fucking slick. Fucking slick. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it just—I mean—it caught me off guard how this wasn't as like stabby, bloody, violent as like a lot of the movies I expected. Because I guess just because this was before Friday the Thirteenth, and even the first Friday the Thirteenth wasn't as bloody as I thought it was going to be. So just <clears> as they progressed, they've gotten more and more slasher-like. Oh yeah, there was like the progression between like early '80s. The early 80s slasher flicks did not have nearly as much blood as like when we when you hit like Freddy. Right. And I guess really, in all honesty, Nightmare on Elm Street was my first real introduction to horror as far as what I can, you know, remember really getting into and watching. So, yeah, that's kind of what I think of as my baseline for horror. So when it's less gory than that, it always kind of surprises me. Well, once Tom Savini got into the scene, that's when things really shifted because I don't know if you guys have ever seen Maniac. Um, yeah. The William Lustig movie. Tom Savini pushed that thing to as far as you can go. I mean, the scene where he gets his head blown off in the car is is more graphic than most of the other that's, stuff. That that's out. the guy that played the penis gun guy in from yes. on, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's also an awesome dude. One of the most famous uh, um, special effects uh, artists out there. And uh, Pennsylvanian. And yeah, I've heard he's a good dude. Penis I was gonna say gun. probably almost you know almost certainly the most famous dude I've spent several hours in a bar with. What? Yeah, one year at Ides of March there was a big horror uh, fest in the same hotel as us, and uh, basically half of the bar was Ides uh, um, upper management and hardcore attendees, and the rest of it was just like Tom Savini, his entourage, and special effects nerds. It was an awesome fucking night. That sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, I can guarantee you he would not remember me, but I certainly remember him. Which brings my thought. We need to have like a 40 con. Huh? 40 going on 14 convention. whole bunch of people wander around talking about how awesome it used to be. <laughs> and Tom Savini shows up. Can we do that? Is that a thing? I, uh, Is it Josh like you say his so. name three times? That would be great. <laughs> Uh, let's find out. Tom Savini, Tom Savini, Tom Savini. I love how we're all actually waiting to see if it'll happen. <laughs> Nobody showed up, damn it. All right, I think we're to the point where I, we, we need to go to the we, we are now completely talking about somebody who has absolutely nothing to do with the movie we're talking about. But yeah, so we will be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about Prom Night 2008. Which has slightly more to do with the movie we just talked about. A bit. All right, we'll be back in a bit. Don't uh, kill your brother or something. Ah, Slick, we didn't deserve you. (laughs) 
Alright, so sometime in 2008, they decided, hey, prom night, let's do that again for the fifth time. And uh, so we have Donna's senior prom is supposed to be the best night of her life, as is repeated over and over and over through this movie. Although a sadistic killer from her past has different plans for her and her friends. That doesn't really give it the right kind of, you know, like, I wouldn't say sadistic killer in this. I would say psychopathic stalker. Yeah. Ever since that thing you do and he only had that one hit, he kind of went off the edge. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure that's how I'd summarize the film either. Yeah. I'd probably have gone with a giant pile of shit, but oh, hey, Idris Elba. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this giant pile of shit was written by Nelson McCormick, who is known for a couple episodes of Prison Break, The Colony, and the movie, he directed the movie The Stepfather. Yep, the remake of the uh, uh, Terry O'Quinn trilogy. Another remake? Yeah. Yeah, the the, hell? Terry, Terry Quinn was in the first two, then the third one had a different actor, mm-hmm. but uh, then it went on to be remade in 2009, and the writer of this film was also the writer of The Stepfather. Huh. So this is written <laughs> all right, by J.S. Cardone. <laughs> J.S. Cardone. Well, I don't even care, because he's known for this, A Climate for Killing, The Covenant, Black Day Blue Night, and Pat, this one's all for you. The Mummy and the Armadillo. <laughs> they walk into a bar. <laughs> but it looks like after uh, they he did Prom Night and then The Stepfather, they're like, okay, two remakes and you can't get it right, you're done. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so this is starring Brittany Snow as Donna Keppel. Uh, Brittany Snow also was in Pitch Perfect and Hairspray. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's got she's, a pretty good resume. Yeah, she's doing stuff. Bobby is uh, Scott Porter, who is a uh, Rex Racer from Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. And also, this is kind of weird, does the voice of Peter Quill slash Star-Lord in the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series. Josh, that, that one's all for you. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Kellen Lutz as Rick Leland. You know him if you, I mean, know him if you see him. He's done quite a bit of other stuff. Mostly Twilight. Yeah, Emmett Cullen from Twilight. Ming-Na Wen as Dr. Alicia Crow. If you don't know her, uh, you need to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ming-Na Wen, and she was totally underused in this. She had like two lines. And she wasn't even on the cast list. She was way down at the bottom, but I snatched her up because I'm like, I know we want to talk about her. Well, and you're also missing missing that uh, she did the voice of Mulan in 1998. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Skahach. Sheesh. Sheesh. As Richard Sheesh. Fenton. Sheesh. As uh, her killer. Yeah, as her killer, who is known for Prom Night and Marauders. He also did uh, That Thing You Do and Day of the Dead Bloodlines, where he played the main bad zombie with the giant face. Wait, what was oh. he in that? Oh. What was he in That Thing You Do? He was uh, the main. He was Jimmy, the main. He was the, the guy doing the thing. He was the lead singer. Doing the he thing was that you do. Dating Liv Tyler initially, and then. Really? Quit the band. Yeah. I quit. Huh. I quit. I quit. I quit, Mr. White. That guy. Oh. Yeah. Huh. I, I got nothing else to say for that. All right. Moving um, on. So, Idris Elba, a relatively unknown actor. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of him. <laughs> no. Uh, who played, uh, who did he play? Detective Wynn, 
Uh, if you don't know who Idris Elba is, first off, look, look around. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's Stacker Pentecost from Pacific Rim, one of my favorite roles for him. Uh, he's Crawl in Star Trek Beyond and Heimdall in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, he's plus he's Reiner in the office, uh, and yeah. he's Luther in Luther. Oh yeah, Luther. Oh, that is on my list. I need to watch that it's show. So good. It and is he was so in freaking good. He was in Lost also. He was on The Wire, Dark Tower. He was in Lost. I don't know. Finding Dory. No. I'm just throwing out franchises now, just giving him credit for anything. He was in the Jungle Book. I was gonna Z- say I was pretty was sure Zootopia. He that was in Zootopia. Yeah. And Toy Story. Actually, thing you do. Where I uh, where I remember seeing him he first was, was from was from The Wire. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He's on Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Twenty eight weeks later. All right, this is going down a rabbit hole. It, yeah. Either way, Idris Elba. In, of the traveling pants. What? Keep moving, please. <laughs> he's been doing that every time he's talked. <laughs> All right, so the bellhop in this one. Now, I don't know why Joel put this one in here. The bellhop is Joshua Leonard. Joel, why did you put that in there? Oh, that dude's familiar. Uh, the Blair Witch Project? He was oh, that's the, why. He was one of the three main characters in the original Blair Witch. <laughs> he's reduced to being a bellhop in this pub. He keeps <laughs> trying, but he's not. Undetermined shit. Yeah, he's not. I'm done. a bellhop. He's I done wear. better than Michael C. Williams, who did one other movie, I think. And Heather um, Donahue quit acting to become a uh, a weed advocate. Well, there is a good choice in life. Mm-hmm. She's doing quite well. And then there's she is. Yeah, oh. she's a, she's got like a weed business. Yeah, yeah. she's well, doing you pretty can well. do you can do that now. So James Ranson as Detective Nash. I kept thinking that dude was going to be a bad guy the whole time. You know, I did too. I was waiting for him to be something evil. Huh. See, I called it from the beginning. I'm like, that dude's going to be a cop who gets killed by the killer. Yeah. They just kept, I mean, they did it. That was about the only good thing that they, good job they did was make him seem on the fence as to whether he was good or bad. Uh, I, I, as much as I dislike this movie, I will give them credit. Having a killer who gets a master key in a hotel and could be in any freaking room was kind of neat. All right. Yeah. As a guy who works for a hotel company, first off, there is no housekeeper that's going to be pushing her cart around at 10 o'clock at night. Second of all, there is no housekeeper that's going to give go to go any person in the in the hallway and say, oh, you need to get into this room. Sure. Let me just open that for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are I mean, things that I have had issue with in this in this movie. One, that two, how quickly he busted through that wooden door. I'm sorry. Every door in a hotel room is a fire door. Oh, you cannot okay. bust through a fire door. Even wow. even when we were when we're in the suites over at and when we're down there for Gen Con and they had the door between the bedroom and the front room, that door is a fire door. You cannot with a, uh, a you would beat the crap out of the um, fire extinguisher before you would get through that fire door. Hmm. Third Thank of all. The killer for if Idris Elba needs to get on a ladder to go through a hole in the ceiling, how the hell is the killer gonna push a dude up into that hole? That's a very good point. Plot. Fuck, okay, okay. <laughs> early on in this one, it was holes. yeah, plot hole. Fuck this plot. <laughs> <laughs> what plot? Exactly. The plot hole works like a portal hole. You can just put them anywhere and bloop, bloop, and he just moves. Exactly. So some trivia. Aside from the title and concept of teenagers being stalked by a killer at their prom, this 
film shares no connection to the original Prom Night plot-wise. Yeah, right. I, so we've got the first Prom Night, which has no connection to the sequels, and this decided to make the bold choice of having nothing to do with either of them and instead be the worst possible. Right. There was just nothing interesting or innovative about what they decided to do. You knew who the killer was right away. There was nothing interesting about the killer. You knew he wasn't going to kill the main girl that he was trying to kill the whole time, and you knew everybody else was fodder. But, ooh, he's wearing a hat. (laughs) And then he wears a vest. Yeah, he has a vest on, too. Well, they wanted to go away from the the, the mask, the signature mask. So they're like, give him a face. So they go with a ball cap? Yeah, that is like the worst. That's the worst like camouflage ever. All right, so, unbreakable. That's Good true. Point. Uh, so Scout Taylor Compton was considered for the role of Donna before Brittany Stowe was cast. And I'm glad that Scout did not take it because I love Scout Taylor Compton, and uh, she was uh, the new Laurie Strode in the Halloween movies, among other things. Oh, but yeah, I'm glad she didn't take it because this seems like it uh, was probably originally written with Hayden Panettiere in mind. They're going to say Thomas Hayden Church. (laughs) (laughs) I would watch that. Uh, So this holds a distinction, in quotes, of being the first slasher film in the history of horror films to receive a PG-13 rating. Uh, When a Stranger Calls 2006 doesn't necessarily count as a killer doesn't use knives. What? Yeah, When a Stranger Calls was also PG-13, but was not really a slasher film. That's true. That's more of a psychological. We got to do that one, too. Yeah, there was so little violence in this. When people fell over, they just kind of fell over like Minecraft blocks and flashed three times and disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here, here's a little little trivia. When I used to work at the video store back in 1990-whatever, um, <clears throat> parents would come in and be like, Hey, we're having a uh, sleepover tonight. I'm looking for some movies for the girls when they do the sleepover. Do you have anything that would work for them? When I'm a like, stranger calls, here you go. I'm like, do they babysit? Yeah. <laughs> when a stranger calls, they will love it. I had That's one. Oh my god! I had one parent the next morning. He came in, and <laughs> the father he comes in. He just puts it on Saturday morning, puts a video on the counter, and goes, "Boom! I didn't sleep at all last night. Nothing but screaming." All night long. It's like they freaked out when they watched one of Stranger Calls and like anything that moved or anything that made a noise the entire night woke. They all would start screaming again. That That is a seriously creepy movie, especially for a kid. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. I mean, oh. Carol Kane does a great job in that one. Uh, the movie Donna and Bobby are watching in their bedroom is Can't Hardly Wait. Oddly enough, about a movie who about a guy who is obsessed with a girl. <laughs> but not to this extreme. Uh, so James Renzone and Idris Elba were both in the series The Wire, but never shared a scene. Here they play detectives. Sharing scenes. Sharing scenes all over the freaking place. <laughs> as Idris Elba is biding his time until he's popular. I know, right? All right, so I like the premise of this. The prem- of, the, of this movie. The premise was all right. The premise was like, I, you know, high school teacher... Gets obsessed with student, goes to Nuthouse, comes back and hunts her down. Yeah, I mean well, that was. Did he really hunt her down? It was just like go to you know go to the hotel she's at and there she is. Just find her. Like it's not, it's not even like an exciting chase. It's just like you know there. I mean yeah, anyway. One on. by one, the teenagers peel off into the 
respective rooms and other things, and he gets a chance to kill everyone and everything she loves. Well, I mean, to be fair, he only gets about half of them. There's, in fact, he gets exactly half of them. There's six total. He kills three. Yeah. Everybody well, else was a bystander. And he, he gets the boyfriend at home. And he gets oh, the, sorry, you're right. He gets the true. boyfriend. Four and, out of six. And the cop. And, and he gets the guy in the, that he steals the car from. That's true. And despite he's my namesake, Mike is kind of a douche in this one. I think that was the point of that character, though. Yeah, I know. That's Which one was Mike? He was the guy who's like walking around with the glass of Coke. And you're like, oh, he looks like he's a drunkard because he's got Coke you know, in the in the rocks glass, and then he pulls a little flask out. Mm. Was he the boyfriend of the random bitchy girl that didn't yeah. really need to be in this? Yes. Camille or Carmen or whatever her name was, or Candace or Candy or... I, yeah, I'm not even, cool like, normally wrong. I would be annoyed at people trying to pretend they're too cool to remember what the characters were, but they were all just so flat. Claire. I, sure. I really, really could not distinguish one from another, aside from, obviously, you got the African-American couple. Well, and Josh may recognize, uh, if Claire is her name, if that's the girl we're talking about, as uh, the sister in um, Iron Fist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. You know, one of my biggest issues with this movie, aside from the, the other 90 minutes of, of screen time, was the ending, where... <laughs> the one person that was a good dude in the movie who potentially could have been her husband um, gets killed off screen. And after they shoot Jonathan Shish eight or nine times and he finally goes down, uh, Idris Silva holds her and he's like, everything's going to be okay. And then the music starts and it's like, there's no, there's no closure. We see that this, the aunt and uncle come back in and they're alive and she's alive and the one cop's alive, but, like her well, whole world's destroyed and it just ends. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. It was like, first off, I think the boyfriend who was like super supportive and super helpful to her through the entire movie deserved more than an off off screen death. Where he apparently didn't put up any fight at all. Right. 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 Like a little bit. He should have gotten the, the ending that the girl did down in the sub basement, whatever thing. Lisa? Like an actual fight. Which and that wasn't even a fight. That was just like, ooh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay. First off, you've got what looks like a full service luxury hotel. The room that those kids got costs more than the total cost of for my senior prom. Yeah, what is up with this prom? Seriously, I get that they're all like, oh, this girl's father spent a lot of money on it, but that prom setup would cost way more than a hundred thousand dollars because really? first of all. Who are the people that are sad enough that are lining up outside to watch kids walk a red carpet oh, into their Seriously? Into their the parents? I mean, they had to have been paid to be like, you know, paparazzi and shit like that. So every one of those people costs money, plus all the things inside cost money, plus all the, you know, that thing was way more than $100,000. Yeah. And I will also point out that I believe that the hotel in this movie was the same hotel from the final scene from... Uh, not another teen movie. <laughs> I don't know why that clicked, but I really like that movie. So I just figured it was the parents that were over being the paparazzi type thing. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, at least Idris Elba was charismatic and fun to watch, but like he should have been in a better movie. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, well, he's I mean, always a delight to watch, but well, I mean, he's a hundred percent in on this movie. Yeah. 
I don't think he knows how to phone anything in. No, right. yeah, I mean, he was a, he played what character he had good. He was the only three-dimensional anything in this. I mean, I'm, I'm serious about that. I don't think he knows how to phone anything in. If you get Idris Elba, you get 100% of Idris Elba. No, and that's amazing because he was exactly what he needed to be. They said to him, you want you are a cop who used to work this work this case. The guy broke out. You're trying to protect the girl. And he's like, I'm all a, in. A guy you wanted to get the death penalty, but he escaped your, you know, he escaped you on a technicality. Yeah. You just hunt him down. <laughs> and and he was great at it. He was the only thing keeping this movie alive. Yeah, I would like to see a spin-off movie with Detective Wynn, and you could take everyone else and shoot them into the sun. <laughs> Dude, that'd be a hell of a movie. He's like sitting in a deck chair watching them get launched. Yeah, yeah, I'd watch it. But he's not phoning it in. Yeah, I, this was just really a whole lot of nothing. I, I really, at the end of the movie, I legitimately was, was like, who put the money into this funding? Like, yeah, I was so this? irritated. I wanted my time back. This was such a like cut-and-paste, bland-ass quasi horror movie that I swear at several different times I thought to myself I think I've seen this before and I know I haven't but it's just like it, it's so cookie cutter that it's just some of the scenes just are like complete ripoffs of other crappy horror movies well and it didn't even feel like a horror movie because your main villain you know who it is the whole time and he's not scary he's not uh, got it, any quirks it, it's just a stalker movie yeah That's with a guy thing. that has a special knife that is his buddy. It isn't even a spe- special knife. It's just, it's like some mall ninja bullshit. It, no, it's just a long buck knife. Yeah. It looked a little curvy to me. Well, like, yeah, so any, any any knife that you can fold up in on itself, you know, that's longer than a pocket knife is a buck knife. Oh, okay. There you go. I learned something. Yep. Hey, this movie taught me something. <laughs> no, I taught you something. This movie sucked. <laughs> the movie taught me that itself <laughs> by watching it. I, I've been putting this movie off for a long time because I just I didn't have any interest in it because I remembered not being super fond of the original, but this gave me a reason to watch it, and now I can like bleach it out of my brain. I would rather watch Star Crash again. Oh, no, holy twice. shit. Dude. I don't know about all that because there was at least a lot of eye candy in this movie. What, Carolyn Monroe was an eye candy for you? Yeah. And L. yet, L? L <laughs> and his on. sexy legs. Come on, Pat. You know you want to watch it again. I'm not even sure I'm joking. Oh, my God. I, I'm pretty sure watch again. I'd watch this. I, I, I would watch Star Crash again before I'd watch this again. I am 100% I would watch this again before Star Crash. I hated Star Crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, spoiler alert, these are both thumbs down for me. I still would rather watch this again than Star Crash. I mean, having a crazy stalker movie is is fine, and there's some good ones out there. But I mean, I'd almost rather watch Fear with Marky Mark again. Let me get to the fucking house. You know, I don't know. This that was actually a decent movie it, compared to this. It was Shakespeare. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it really just felt like somebody was like, "Hey, we got some money. All right, we got a weekend free. Okay, grab the Silva. Let's get going." Yeah. Like, hey, my uncle just rented this hotel the entire thing for a weekend. He doesn't know what to do with it. Let's make a movie. We have two things we've spent our entire budget on. This hotel in Idris Elba. (laughs) Can we write a script? (laughs) Nah, no time. Let's make the movie. Let's just tell... Give him a gun and point a camera at him. (laughs) Let's tell Idris what he's doing 
and just film him. <laughs> right. We'll write the rest of the movie around his performance. <laughs> I believe as tag- we're filming. I believe the tagline for this movie was no script, no problem. <laughs> oh my god. We have interest. <laughs> but seriously though, I mean there really was just nothing. It was like there was empty nothing calories. of value. There was no gore, no suspense, not even any cheap nudity. Nothing. Yeah. And just, you know, somebody would get alone in a room with him and he would either stab them right away or he would chase them down and stab them. Okay, done. Move on to the next person that he just runs into. Okay, there's a, a good thing, a good point to kind of emphasize this. Um, the the African American couple goes up to the room. Why they went up um, randomly right before they're going to be called up to be nominated for prom king and queen, I don't know. But he was well, their poster, right? But they never yeah. they never really established their relationship in such a way that there was any build up to that. It's just like she leaves and he pulls out the ring and it's like, wait, he was going to propose that I miss something. Well, I mean, he suggested that they're going to go up and have sex in the hotel room. Yep. Right. But was there any point earlier on in the film where he showed somebody else the ring or alluded to the fact that they were? No, no, no. I'm not defending the ring thing, but that is the reason why she went with him at that point when they were going to get called up because they were going to have a quickie. Right. Which that part, I mean, the, they established that they were going to go do it, but the throwaway bit about the, the, the engagement, it, I don't know if it was intended to try and make you care she, about. Yeah. It was just there to make it more sad when she gets killed and he's crying. Yeah. But it was just an easy way to, con- to attach more emotion to her death. Now, if, if the guy, if the boyfriend, the good guy that ended up getting the, the lame death, would have done, you know, shown somebody the ring at some point and said he was going to propose. Then I could have maybe let him a little more credence to it, but their kind of random throwaway thing was, yeah, didn't make sense. It was pointless, like the movie. Yeah, it's like you're not going to make me care about these caricatures. That's the thing is that you're exactly right. None of these characters in this movie were actually characters. They were caricatures of what they should have been. They were the I'm behind you 100% of the way. I'm the boyfriend who wants to propose. Yeah, the DJ was was two-dimensional. The PE teacher was two-dimensional. Everybody was two-dimensional. I mean, the the guy, the the hotel worker was a better actor and a better character than most of the actual leads. I can agree with you on that. They would have been better of having a whole bunch of cardboard stand-ups and just let Idris Elbow run around. I mean, I was going to say... The guy behind the counter was like, was like, uh, should I be concerned? Should I be calling anybody? And I'm, I'm like, this guy actually gets it. He's a, <laughs> yeah. he's a person. Okay, back up a second. So Idris Elba shows up at the hotel room and says, do you know this gentleman? Have you seen this guy? And shows him a picture of the stalker crazy-ass dude from three years ago, covered in hair, looking like Manson. You cannot tell me that at one point or another, the hospital, the psychiatric hospital that this guy was at, they did not have a picture that said, hey, by the way, all that crazy ass hair and beard, we shave that off. This is what he looks like now. Yeah, he should have a, like a like a recent right. wellness picture or whatever kind of thing from his file. I thought that was bullshit. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I didn't yeah. even think about that. One with the baseball cap on. It's yeah. Not like he, yeah, it's not like he shaved his head when he left. They would have done it in the ward. Yeah. Yeah. This is what he looks like three years after we uh, more reasons to hate this movie. I love it. Oh, let the hate flow through you. And where was Slick? <laughs> there was no I Slick in this movie. 
by the alarming lack of slick in this movie. You know why? <laughs> because slick cannot be replicated. That's true. Oh, man. He can only be worshipped. I just want to see a movie with Slick and Idris Elba. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. The greatest buddy cop movie ever. That would be like Superbad 2. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if Idris Elba's there, they probably survive the exploding van. I'm just saying. That, um, yeah. Well, if Idris Elba's there, that motherfucker gets shot as soon as he starts stabbing. That's that, how he deals with it. No stabbing going on in front of me, motherfucker. I Here's got six bullets you. in my gun and they're all for you. And Slick drives off to the sunset and blows up. <laughs> <laughs> it was destined to happen all along. <laughs> Turns out it was it, there was a fault in the in the gas line of that model. Nobody knew. It had yeah. nothing to do with getting thrown over the cliff. What the hell kind of van was that too? There's a pimp van. I mean, yeah, but I mean pimp van. I mean the Slickmobile. There were some <laughs> seriously design errors in that in that the van. Chevy, the Chevy Explosivo. <laughs> <laughs> all right well good night folks yeah we're done we're all out of funny <laughs> no i i this this movie was very much uh, paint by numbers yeah you know and, the, and like a four-year-old paint by numbers yeah. and those numbers were written in some kind of ancient hieroglyphics yeah this is just just very very not good and it was very very bland and like there was like I know we've harped on it the whole show, the whole half of the show, but the only redeeming thing in this movie was Idris Elba and uh, good-looking women in cocktail dresses. <laughs> it's like you just made a a pot of wild rice, like white. I know of white rice, and there's nothing in it, just white rice, and then somewhere hidden inside, there's like a ghost pepper, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all there is. If you, if you want the ghost pepper, you got to eat all the rest of it. <laughs> you know what I have? Okay, Idris Elba was the diamond in the rough in this movie but james ranzone he was all in on it too detective nash he was he pretty was damn good boring though yeah but i mean he was just he like, like a kid playing cop is what he looked like yeah but i mean seriously all right all right here we're gonna have you a cop that help that's helping to find a psychotic killer that's looking to kill this girl and you play second to idris elba I don't know. I, I see. I've seen him in other stuff. Like I remember him from The Wire. He was excellent in The Wire. He was just boring dude here. He barely had a character. Yeah. yeah. Nebish cop. That was his character. Nebish cop. Yep. Okay. Another question I have from Nebland. <clears throat> so we have a Psycho uh, Stalker Boy who is hunting down this girl. Mm-hmm. She's at prom. He finds her. They run away. Let's bring her back to her home. Why do the police not say, you know what, maybe being in the house where everybody knows you live is not a good place for you to be? Why right, don't we... take her to a different hotel. Right, why don't we all get in the car and go to the police station? That may be a good idea. Let's well, do that. You can't live in the police station, though. <laughs> what the fuck? I think what they should have done was they should have had way more than just two guys on that house. Yup. Right. And as soon as he shows up, just swarm the house and grab him. Like if you can send an entire team of SWAT all the way through every single hotel room without even using a master key and just kicking every door in for no reason. Whatsoever. Which is still bullshit because they're all fire doors. You cannot kick in a fire door. If you could do that, you could certainly hire some you know, hide some men around the house and as soon as he shows up you don't even have her in the house. Just have like a fake her, like some you know some female cop playing her. Yeah. And just you know, I mean, I don't know. That's like cop one on one, right? 
I'm sure. I don't know enough about cops, so I'm going to agree with you. Yes, I will agree. Also, I will agree. Dumb to only put two people on that house. Like, there's only one thing this man wants in the world, and you're just going to put two guys on it. Like, 87 men is fine to search the hotel where we think he might be, where we know he's going to be. We'll just send two guys. As you do. <laughs> and one of them is not even going to be Idris Elba. You're not even going to send your best guy. Right. Just, just this nebbish cop and one other dude. <laughs> doesn't even doesn't even warrant a name ever. Say nebbish cop one more time. He's from Nebland. Oh. Nebbish. Never, never, never. He's, he's a little nebbish. Let's not be racist towards Neblanders. (laughs) Bunch of chair throwers. (laughs) Alright, so I think we all think this movie sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I have a fair estimation. um, It was pretty. It it definitely was pretty, and it had a very uh, tall hotel. (laughs) Even though... And it it had Idris Elba. Idris Elba, and and, uh, an entire floor... Apparently, the second floor of this hotel is under construction with windows open that pigeons can fucking get into. That does not happen. Well, I mean, maybe it was in Indianapolis. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it does happen. It's just somebody's going to get fired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Touche. There you go. Oh, God. So, thumbs right. up, thumbs down. Yeah, let's, let's do that. It's a formality. Well, actually, for the first one, it might not be. Patrick, first yes. one. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, thumbs down on the 2008 version. Ooh. And what? Oh, I'm, I'm getting excited. Ooh. He said, ooh. And thumbs down for the 1980 version, but thumbs up for Slick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go Slick with a... my only thumbs up. I'm going to go with a big thumbs down for uh, the 2008 and a thumbs up for 1980. Ah. Hmm. Joel? Uh, I'm going to go, uh, thumbs down for both and thumbs up for slick and thumbs up for Idris Elba. Ah, yes. Yeah. I am going with thumbs. Okay. Going backwards. Thumbs down for the movie. 2008 Idris Elba. Thumbs up. Slick. Thumbs up. The movie. 2000. I mean, 1980. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I enjoyed it. It, ah, so we, we were we did not reach a consensus on this no one. I mean it even though it was a terrible movie I was through the entire movie I was kind of like this is kind of fun yeah disco fun we've been on a run for a while have been agreeing all thumbs up or thumbs down this is the yeah. first break in, a, in about a, about six weeks I think no and and <laughs> it's I think the thing for me was one it it's so early on in the concept of a serial killer movie that it's kind of cool to see them try and figure it out. You know what I mean? I yeah. Follow. Yeah. All I right. Down, I did think it was Leslie Nielsen in the mask. So they yep. didn't get me on that. If it had been Leslie Nielsen that was the killer the whole entire time, I would have flipped out. But it would have explained his casting and, and his lack of appearance in the rest of the movie. That's exactly what I why I thought it. I'm the principal, blah, blah, blah. All right, I'm out. I got to do a movie about an airplane. All right, so that's... Kill some of my students. Week one of October in the books. Uh, what do we got up next, Joel? Next week, oh boy. We are going to tear your soul apart, boys and girls. Uh, we're doing Hellraiser, the original Clive Barker film adaptation. And 
the most recent in the series, Hellraiser Judgment, which just came out. Uh, 2018? Yeah, this year. Yeah, it's, it's brand new. I think, I think Pinhead might be my favorite monster design in all of horror. <clears throat> He's pretty imposing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I was excited to do this. He's an iconic uh, monster that we have not done yet. So if uh, you want to give us your thoughts about uh, whether or not you're excited for us to do puzzle boxes and pinheads, or uh, you have your thoughts about prom night, uh, give us a call. Let us know at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and if you want to uh, go back and look at some of our previous Octoboos, uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and iHeartRadio. And if you want to leave us a review, please go to podchaser.com and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, da, 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 da. <coughs> Poor Slick. <laughs> R.I.P. Where was Idris to protect him? He was a light that shone too bright for too little light, little time. What? That's a quote. I'm sorry, my grief is overcoming me. I can't speak. That's a quote from the Buddha, Joel. Don't you not bust him down on that one. Yeah, Joel, Joel. Jerk. <laughs> don't don't speak. <laughs> we didn't start the fire? No, dude, that was bullets over Broadway. No, I was I was taking on my role as Joel, Joel. Oh. Good night, everybody. No, oh, yeah, I thought we were done. <laughs> I thought we'd been done. Oh, okay. That that just has mono. Yeah, because that's the thing is this article doesn't say anything about his religion, but his name is Eliyahu Moskovitz. Yep. Wait, he made he's not Amish. He's got mono. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I was just gonna let that one go. No, no. I don't know. It's just words I say. <laughs>